was the opening music to My Favorite Brunette, released in 1947, directed by Elliot Nugent and starring Bob Hope and Dorothy Lamore, Peter Lorre, Lon Chaney Jr., John Hoyt, Charles Dingle, uh, and an uncredited role to Alan Ladd. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Alan Ladd as Sam McCloud, and then the at the end, the uh, would-be executioner, Bing Crosby. He was disappointed <laughs> he didn't get to do his job that day. Yeah. <laughs> Hope, Hope, was, Hope was a master of one-liners. Yeah, he was good. <laughs> and he says, that guy do anything for that guy do anything for a part. It was funny too because I read that, uh, in in those buddy movies that they did, those travel buddy movies that, oh yeah, the road, road the movies, road yeah, pictures. Bing Crosby usually ended up with the the girl at the end of the movie, and when he shows up at the end of this movie, Dorothy Lamore is kind of giving him the eye, and then Bob Hope is like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> So kind of an in-joke for people that like those road movies, I guess. Enough enough of this, he was saying. <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net, and on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews, and you can check us out over there. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from what's turning out to be kind of a rainy morning here in North Bend. And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles uh, asking Matt to send the rain down <laughs> here because we could use it. It's been you really guys are hot. having a lot of fires in California, I saw. Jeez. A lot of fires, yeah. I think over 300. I read a headline on that. So my favorite brunette. I had a, several notes on this. Uh, to me, the movie is kind of a composite of a lot of film noir a parody of a lot of film noir, noir uh, movies from the 1940s. Oh, totally. The Maltese, the Maltese Falcon. Well, and even having Peter Lorre and Alan Ladd in the movie, it's like... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, the name Peter Lorre, uh, Peter Lorre's character was named Kismet. Yeah, Kismet. <laughs> and it was sort of, it was sort of a comic take on as many film noir oh. names because he always had weird yeah. names. And then the... Uh, Lon Chaney Jr. was playing Willie, which was a character based on a, a movie that he was in that he did a really good job of Mice and oh, Men, yeah. a John Steinbeck novel. So every time I watch this, I've seen it maybe half a dozen times, I think of all those Humphrey Bogart and uh, Alan Ladd movies, man. And it was a huge success. It did really well at the box office. Anytime Paramount wanted a cash cow, they just made another Bob Hope movie, I feel. They made so many. I could totally see that because it's a it's just a lighthearted, kind of fun movie that would be a great matinee on a weekend, you know. You could take you could probably take the family to it or at least it'd be a good date movie probably. A couple of my favorites from that late forty period of Bob Hope's Fancy Pants and The Lemon Drop Kid. And then there was another one, I forget the title right now, but he played Peter Potter, the traveling dentist. It's got Peter some great Potter. lines in it. <laughs> I think it was Peter Potter. So he was I think he was turning these out like one a year. He has a real he has a real recognizable comedic style. We we were talking before we started recording that uh he didn't really evolve his comedic style over the decades and you, you said that some of the movies that he did later in his career are pretty unwatchable just because they're just not current to what was going on at that time. 
Yeah, for me, it's it's. Uh, I love his films from the late '30s and the '40s and the early '50s, and then <clears throat> as they moved into the late '50s, '60s, and '70s, and even later, uh, I, I don't enjoy them as much. They just, I don't know. I think it's just his comedy was kind of out of step with the current times later at least that's my my one person's opinion and we've if we reviewed another movie of his um and we've done so many movies i can't remember what the name of that movie is <laughs> was it ghost i think it was ghost, ghost Breakers. yes that's it i just it dawned on me i think that's one that he did like in the real early 40s like 1942 and he goes to this deserted yeah. island yeah Full of weird characters. So the reason that we're reviewing this movie right now is that we had hit a string of like ten movies. That was crazy. Every every movie we watched almost was a ten, and we thought, well, I mean that's great, that's awesome, but we should maybe go and find a few other movies that we could talk about that might be interesting and wouldn't be a ten. And and you thought this was probably a good candidate for that. Yeah, it's really it's an enjoyable movie, but I wouldn't put it up there with. Uh... Double Indemnity or or some of those, no. <laughs> For one-liners, he's... You Sometimes, you know, what I, what I find when I watch these now, the Bob Hope movies, he's always playing Bob Hope. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, it's always the same character, right? Oh, almost, yeah. We'll have to maybe watch another one. So I, I, I like the setup with the beginning of the movie where he's in prison and these people are showing up to interview him, I guess, from the press because it's kind of a... Uh, sensational story about how he's been accused of this murder and he claims that he's innocent but he's got no evidence as to him being innocent even though we find out along the way that he had a few opportunities to clear himself uh, but because of bumbling events that happen <laughs> he he <laughs> doesn't get that chance until the very 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 last second because uh, he's on death oh, row, he's, he's going to be executed for this murder. They've already uh, fitted him for the electric chair. And of course he has one-liners about that and everything else. When's he go? They're taking him down now. Guess that pink slip ain't coming, Warden. Looks bad. How do you think he'll take it? Like a soldier, my boy. Like a soldier. No ketchup? This is the worst last meal I ever had. Sorry, Jackson. Here's a Warden. Oh! Sure glad to see you, Warden. So the governor came through with that stay, huh? I knew he would. He's a very good guy. Sorry, Jackson. No word from the governor. Yeah, well, I was sorry. No. No word? No word, huh? Well, I don't know who to vote for next time. And I love the fact that he was saved later on because he discovered or invented a keyhole keyhole camera yeah that was funny it was a camera that had this weird shaped lens adapter that could fit into a keyhole <laughs> <laughs> that would that, that wouldn't work today the keyholes are a thing of the past oh, yeah okay. and then we find out that he's playing it off like he's a private detective and we we quickly find out that that's not really the case and and that's where we're introduced to our cameo with alan ladd who they, they kind of did that in a funny way where he's talking, and but they show him from the back, and so I'm like, who is that? That sounds so familiar. <laughs> you know, that was a, that was a direct takeout of, of some of the other film noir movies. His character in the film is Sam McCloud. Yeah. 
Not Sam Spade or any of those. So I had an alternate plot line for this movie that I thought would have been pretty cool. So, you know, and we'll get to it, but you know how he has to go to Washington, I think Washington, D.C., to try to meet up with this uh, diplomat? What if yes. what if Alan Ladd, instead of going off to Chicago at the beginning of the movie, went off to Washington, D.C. to try to unravel this plot, and then... They meet up in Washington. Shows up at the hotel. At the hotel, yeah. and then he, and then Alan Ladd actually ends up solving the case and clearing Bob Hope's name at the end. I thought that would have been kind of cool. It would be great. <laughs> Speaking of, that would be, that would be a Sam McCloud on the job. When when Hope uh, and and Dorothy Lamore fly to Washington, there's a continuity glitch. They're, they're showing flying in an old Boeing. I think it was a 314. I forget the name of the plane. But when they're landing and taxiing, it's an old DC-3. <laughs> so then I thought, well, maybe they stopped in St. Louis and changed planes. Yeah, I, I, I covered I'm not sure that, that plane could have made it all the way across the country in one go. I'm not sure. Um, oh, no, I, I, probably four stops. I did. One of my favorite parts of the movie, though, was when they were on the plane and he had that giant beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to keep that on. I wanted him to wear that through like the whole scene in Washington, D.C. Every one of these movies that he makes has just a, a whole raft of scenes that are kind of set pieces for his comedy. Yeah, and it, it, it's a little bit jarring, though, because it's it, it doesn't really hang together very well sometimes. Like, I was really scratching my head as to why they needed to go to that sanatorium. And then he meets up with that guy. We're totally not even covering the plot here. Like, I guess we could go through it chronologically, but... Um, oh, you mean the, the golfer? golfer? But, uh, yeah, like, on, <laughs> at, one, at one point, you know, right before that, they're at that old house, which was... That house, I guess, is a real house that, that actually exists. That thing was cool. Oh, wow. Um, and then, and then the next thing we know, they're out at the sanatorium, and all of the same characters are out there. It's like they all got on a bus together and took a bus out to the next set, you know? <laughs> well, maybe they didn't know, knowing the way they did those. Anyway, he's, he's Ronnie Jackson. He's the baby photographer. But he wants to be Sam McCloud. He wants to be a detective. He's even ordered a gun. He's got a gun and everything, which he barely uh, yes. knows how to handle. <laughs> which... <laughs> Baby photographer. A fine job for a two-fisted He-Man like Ronnie Jackson. Well, I'd promised to have pictures of the kid ready by morning, so I got to work and develop them. It must have been about 20 minutes later, or a half hour or something like that, when I heard a door slam in the hallway outside. I knew it was Sam McCloud coming back to his office from a busy day, pinning the goods on a few assorted crooks and murders. Sam McCloud, the coolest, toughest private eye in the business. You see, I wanted to be a detective, too. It only took brains, courage, and a gun, and I had the gun. I'd figured out a way for Sam to hire me, so I started across the hall. Already, I could see my name in big letters. Ronnie Jackson, Private Eye. What I didn't see was the small print underneath. Rest in peace. I'm surprised he didn't shoot himself. But he's in the office of Sam McCloud after McCloud has to take off for Chicago or parts unknown. And Dorothy Lamore comes in, and she's just really excited and, and, and animated because... She needs the help of this detective. I need a detective. Please say that you'll help me. Yeah, but look, I'm just... I... Please, Mr. McCloud, please. Just call me Sam. This is my type of case. Spill it, sister. My name is Carlotta Monte. Mm -hmm. 
Baroness Monte. A Baroness? I feel as though someone's watching me. Yeah, that's me. I arrived here three days ago in the Queen of Peru uh -huh. with the Baron, my husband. Oh, oh you've got a husband. Oh. This was taken the day we arrived. Mm. Two column cut in the San Francisco Citizen. He must rate. I'm in trouble, deep trouble. What's the wheelchair for? My husband is an invalid. He hasn't been out of that wheelchair in seven years. You're in trouble. Keep talking. At the dock, I went ahead to clear our luggage through customs. I was gone five, ten minutes at the most. When I returned, he had disappeared. A snatch job, huh? Have you gone to the police? No, no, no. If I go to the police, they'll kill him. Who's they? That's what I want you to find out. Look, I have no money. But this ring can be pawned anywhere for at least $5,000. Oh, look, sister, five grand is a lot of moolah. You don't the have... The ring is nothing. We Monte is a generous. If you will just find my husband, I will be so grateful. You will see. Yeah, I'll bring the matches. Oh, but this isn't necessary. What's the matter? Listen, huh? they mustn't find me here. Hold on. Well, I don't hear anything. Be at this address as soon as you can. Will five minutes be too soon? And so Ronnie says, well, to himself, I can do this. How hard can this be? <laughs> and off they go on their, on their merry jaunt through about... 19 bad guys yeah, and it's a very twisty turny kind of a plot where you're not quite sure if who's who's the bad guy and who's not the bad guy at some points you think dorothy lamore is actually the one setting them up and she's the bad character or you know and then and then it turns out that there's like this whole plot of them trying to impersonate this ambassador and it turns you know it's all around these mineral rights that they've got on this property yeah, wasn't that funny when that one scientist was explaining what it was that he, he'd name a he'd name of some mineral probably wasn't even a real thing. Look, Mr. Collins, just how do you figure in this deal? I'm a geologist. I work with Baramonte and San Dimas. In fact, I drew up this map for him. It shows the location of a great deposit of cryolite. Well, I don't see anything. It's in code. Oh. Yesterday morning I got a phone call. A voice exactly like Baron Monte's. Whoever it was said that there had been a change in plans, that the land was no longer for sale. Do you realize what that means? Well, not exactly. It means that somebody, some other government perhaps, is after that cryolite. Mm-hmm. Cryolite, huh? Well, we can't let them get it. <laughs> What's cryolite? Cryolite, it's an ore containing cryptobar. Cryptobar, oh, well, we can't let them get that. What's cryptobar? A source of uranium. What's uranium? Oh, well, now I got you. I read Buck Rogers, too, you know. Uranium. And old Ronnie was completely confused until I think he said, the guy said uranium. And then he was like, oh, <laughs> that was, now we know what, what I loved about, about that was it was it was definitely <laughs> on purpose that they were just making up these names, just a made up. It was like in a science fiction movie when they just make up some gobbledygook name to explain some mineral like uh, oh, like an like an avatar, unobtainium. You know, they they had to go to that plant to get unobtainium. <laughs> the, 
or kryptonite kryptonite with superman well another another thing that was funny for me is that the main woman in this is her her name is in the, in the film is carlotta yeah carlotta monte back in the 80s i think steve martin had a had a film dead dead man wear plaid Dead men don't wear plaid. Dead men don't wear plaid, and the main character in that was Carlotta. And that movie was also a, a funny take on film noir. So yeah, a uh, Carl Reiner. Uh, that's a that's a great movie because they inter, they inter, they intercut all kinds of films from the forties into that film, including Alan Ladd <laughs> in this Gun for Hire. He could have had a, he had a second career doing cameos, totally. although by then he was gone. Dorothy Lamore is so great in this movie, though she's she's a good actress and she's beautiful. And I I, I kind of started researching her some more, and there was a movie that John Ford made called The Hurricane, and uh, she it was I think her first big Hollywood film production. So I I found it and it's available to watch I think on Amazon Prime for free. Yeah, Raymond Massey is Raymond in The Hurricane Massey. and. Oh my! We should uh, John watch John Hall and uh, Mary Astor. Oh, from the Maltese yeah, John Falcon. Carradine. Mary Astor. Thomas Mitchell. Thomas Mitchell. He he. Oh, he's great. He was in Stagecoach. Yes. Remember, he was the drummer that sold sold uh, yeah, liquor. Yeah. So I, I I watched it. I, I, no, he was a doctor. Yeah, that he drank was liquor. he was a doctor that drank, oh. and he's he was yeah. a doctor that drank liquor. <laughs> and it's an interesting movie. I I would say that if we watch it, we have to be prepared for some real cringy parts about the occupation of the south seas islands by the french and oh and, and so it's yeah. it would be an interesting movie to watch from almost like a historical perspective but it, it would also there'd be a lot of parts that i think would be hard to watch but anyway i th- i thought she did great in that movie and then she she was really enjoyable to watch in this movie as well she did a lot of films she did over 50 films and a, a few television shows. But she, I think she was in every road picture that they made. I like this movie. It was a movie that would just be fun to go watch. You know, you're not, you're not going to go into it with a lot of expectations of this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. Or It was a good way to kind of pass 75 minutes or however long it is. <laughs> right. On a rainy afternoon in 1948. But she, uh, the, the plot, to kind of pick that up again, she... She hires uh, Bob Hope because her wheel wheelchair-bound husband has been kidnapped. Yep. And 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 this other guy that's playing him, obviously the same person, is is the the one that uh, is Im, is uh, impersonating the wheelchair-bound person is a real bad guy. Yeah, he is. Oh, terrible, terrible. And and the and they pursued. I want I wanted to mention the director before I got off of that and forgot. Elliot Nugent. Uh, he did he did the other Bob Hope movies, The Cat and the Canary. But but a movie that he did and we we should watch it. It's just hilarious. Clifton Webb in Mr. Belvedere Goes to College. Oh gosh, it's been so long since I've seen that. But that is a fun movie. There were three Mr. Belvedere movies, nineteen forty. Eight forty nine and fifty one. Sitting pretty, Mr. Belvedere rings the bell, and Mr. Belvedere goes to college. This guy knew the answer to everything. <laughs> he was. It was just. It was hilarious. 
I think the first one is is probably my favorite because he's babysitting these small yeah, children. I, I remember those. Yeah, those were fun. <laughs> Doctor Spock would not recommend some of his techniques. <laughs> no. The thing that I feel like every time I watch a movie like this, or even even the uh, Ghost Breakers movie, for example, is that what's replaced these movies now are are the original productions on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Apple Plus and and it's like you don't and the I guess there even before the pandemic you know there were movies that just kind of came out at the theater that were just made for a fun date movie to go to or a fun family movie to go to but I think more of that money and time and energy has gone into these uh, made for the streaming service movies and TV series oh for sure we just, uh, Nancy and I just finished all 78 uh, episodes of Grace and Frankie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we just, and it's half hour uh, sitcom stuff, all built for Netflix. I just watched a great one last night called uh, Lovecraft Country. Oh, is is that? Oh, yeah. I've seen that advertised. On HBO. Oh, it's so good. It was. I'm going to watch it again because it's a, it's it's an awesome period piece from the 50s and there's a lot of commentary on on the state of our social and racial justice at that time and it's a great family drama and then it's it's got monsters and like great action set pieces as well so it's it's a real weird blend of different genres in in a in a great way though it was originally written by not Stephen King but a, but another one of the writers that did those kind of books i can't think of his name right now yeah it was originally a book and then uh adapted into uh uh, this tv series so uh bob hope gets gets done at the old house and then he goes to the sanitarium because he's still trying to find this i think he's looking for uh both the wheel wheelchair bound guy and some secret papers documents yeah but but he has to first of all play around a golf with a guy who's playing without any golf ball and not a full deck. Yeah, that was that was odd. That was that whole and Bob Hope <laughs> loved to play golf, right? Like that was oh, one of yeah. his big he, things. And he was actually he was an excellent. He and Bing Crosby were excellent golfers. Didn't yeah. they host like tournaments for fundraising and and I think Bob yeah, Hope did a, a lot. I, I know we talked about this, but he did a lot of philanthropy work during the war. Uh, Oh yeah, the USO tours and and uh, all kinds of things. He was quite a complex person in real life. A lot of lot of different. He was. Did you know that he was a boxer in his early days? No, I didn't know that. He won. I think he won three and lost one as a boxer. He probably decided, you know, I can do something different. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Goodness. Then he was a dancer and then a singer and did a lot of vaudeville. I think a lot of that comedy came out of vaudeville. Because when you watch Abbott and Costello, they have this rapid patter. Yeah, it is a, a it lot is of a one-liner style. That's true. Anyway, I keep and, getting us off the plot. So they, so he goes out to the sanatorium. Well, first he goes out to this old mansion, and and then everybody's there, even even Carlotta, and there, Carlotta's emphatic that he he needs to. Um, well, I think get out of there because I think she feels like he's in danger. And then the character played by Charles Dingle, Major Simon Montague. Montague, yes. Uh, Mr. Evil. Evil, yeah. He, he, he pulls uh, Ronnie aside and, and says, no, actually what's going on is Carlotta's crazy. She's, she's got a, 
<laughs> she has a psychosis. Yeah, uh, this is Mr. McLeod. Mr. McLeod, I'd like you to meet uh, the man in the picture, Baron Monte. How do you do? Yeah, but she she said you'd been snatched. You have my word for it, young man. I'm not a mirage. Yeah, but she told me she seemed so. I don't get it. Such a lovely girl. The very flower of young womanhood, too. Perhaps uh, Dr. Lundahl can tell you about her. I believe you've met the doctor. Oh, yes, we had a long talk outside. Beautiful day, isn't it? I said that. Well, Mr. McLeod, as you perhaps know, it is not the habit of a psychiatrist to put on display the skeletons in anyone's family closet. However, I believe you are entitled to an explanation of the strange behavior of Baron Monte's wife. Wife? But she just told me she was his niece. <laughs> Last week she was his little sister. It is not funny, Major. For the past six months, Miss Monte has been suffering from an acute form of schizophrenia, accompanied by visual aberrations and increasingly severe paranoic delusions. Mm-hmm. And how is she mentally? And and the doctor is played by a guy. Uh, is it John Hoyt, Doctor Lundow? He always plays kind of a. I always feel like he plays one of these shady characters as well. <laughs> In the medical or legal field. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and so Doctor Lundow is there to say, oh yeah, she's got all these problems, and you know. And then we got this funny, funny scene where now Ronnie's afraid of Carlotta, and she's got this letter opener. And Ronnie thinks <laughs> yeah. that Carlotta's going to stab him with it. And that was a pretty funny set piece. Some good uh, physical comedy there. A little bit later, he, uh, he he rounds up a couple of police officers and they come back with him to try to find out what's going on. And it was just out. It was, Alfred Hitchcock had that same setup in North by Northwest when totally. Terry Grant goes back to that mansion. And it was almost like the same... Even the same set, and it, and everything is covered up with sheets, and it looks like the house hasn't been lived in in yeah. months. And and our uh, and our strange character Kismet, played by Peter Lorre, <laughs> who's like, by the way, very good with knives. Yeah, very good with knives. Uh, and oh man, he says, no, there's nothing. Nobody's lived here. They're all out of t- you know out of town, and I don't know who this crazy guy is. <laughs> yeah, but they they have a they have a great car chase too. I thought that was a pretty fun car chase along the uh, the water there. Uh, oh, they were up in Monterey. Yeah, yeah. I love that old uh, convertible. I think it was a Plymouth. Yeah, there's some pretty cool cars uh, uh, that were in that in that shot. Uh, but he he does end up getting a picture of all four of the bad guys, uh, and and it turns out that the person who's impersonating the uncle ca- can actually walk and is not wheelchair bound, and and he gets a picture of of this character out of his wheelchair, and that becomes a critical piece of evidence later in the in the movie. Uh, but I, I do want to circle back for just a moment to the beginning when he's in his baby photography studio, and there's that woman with her little baby. Yes, and I was so holding my breath and waiting for like the racist comment or the uh, making fun of, of Chinese immigrants. But I, I was so happy that they didn't do that. He, he was just like, it could have been anybody in his studio. He was just taking a photo of a baby and it was funny. And Ronnie was the name, Ronnie, baby photographer. I'll never forget that day. For two hours, I'd been trying to make that little brat smile. I threw the book at him, every surefire trick of the trade. Beep, 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 beep,
This kid's gonna grow up to be a sponsor. He's <laughs> even wearing out the lights. Oh, oh! <laughs> Quick, snap it. Watch the birdie, watch the birdie. There you are. Another masterpiece. Sweetums, you're wonderful. You're wonderful too, Mr. Jackson. Well, that's because I was a kid once myself. <laughs> I'm just dying to see those proofs. When will they be ready? All the first thing in the morning, Mrs. Fong. Good. And I'm sure you'll like them. Well, goodbye, you little rascal, you. If they can do that in this movie, why can't they just do that in all their movies? I was just so happy that they didn't make that into a stereotype. I'm glad you brought that up because when that started, I had forgotten some of the setup and, and I, I was thinking, oh boy, this this is ripe for some kind of racist comment. And that was so typical of movies from the 40s. They would do that kind of thing. So it's to the credit of the people that put it together, they didn't do that. Yeah. So kudos. Well, that, that that actually bumped it up like a, a notch for me in, in my rating. Um, I, I did want to mention, too, the reason they were chasing the, each other around Monterey and the ocean and all this, that's real close to Pebble Beach, a golf course that Hope loved. And I, I'm, th I'm imagining in between takes on the set, he was playing golf all the time. Yeah, probably. So he'd go off and play golf and then come back and do the movie and then go play more golf. Oh, for sure. You know, it's perfect. That. It was a paid golfing vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then they end up, and then the next set piece is in the sanatorium, this private sanatorium, where you're saying he meets this crazy golfer who is hitting the ball with no ball. There, it's it's all in his head. And then that's where we meet Lon Chaney Jr.'s character Willie, who plays this big, strong kind of not very uh, quick character but kind of kind of a lovable character i think he he just he, yes. he had a good heart you know and he didn't really realize he was being used by these bad guys until the end i liked it when hope could coaxed him into taking the bars on the window and spreading them apart yeah and hope is like now i can get out with your strength i bet you could take that radiator and just pull it out by the roots and play it like an accordion huh wouldn't that be fun <laughs> or you could even take those bars and just bend them apart huh Oh, I don't like to brag. Oh, well, go ahead and brag. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's great, Willie. Gee, you're strong. You want I should tear out the ratty head? Oh, no, no, that's okay. Oh, you've done enough. You're wonderful today. Oh, you're solid spinach. You're great. I'll buy you rabbit later. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, I'll be seeing you, oh, Charlie. That's fine, thanks. Huh? No. You gotta be neat, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You... And then before <laughs> Willie leaves, he goes, oh, I must put them back. Yeah, got to be neat. <laughs> got to be neat. I liked how he's always cracking walnuts between his bicep and his forearm, too. And then, and then yeah. Bob Hope says, well, if you, if you do this for me, I'll get you a whole bag of lychee nuts. <laughs> yeah, right. Just what he, he probably didn't even know what those were. Mm -mm. Uh, 
And those are real spiky. They kind of look like, uh, you know, those pictures of a coronavirus, you know? That, you oh, know, the, they kind of look like that. So I'm just imagining him trying to, like, do that between his arms. It would be a little painful. Piercing his arms. <laughs> that one I missed. That joke I missed. They're, 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 the jokes are so rapid fire that sometimes they get passed over before they're on to the next one. Yeah. But and, and so there's a whole bunch of funny things that happen at the sanatorium, and of course, like all the characters are there again, you know, like the bad guys and and Carlotta and and everybody. And then after that, they have they escape, and there's that car chase, and then they get on a plane and they fly to Washington D.C. because now they realize that that's where they're headed. Like the bad guys are headed there to. I'm not really sure why they're headed there. They just there's some well, kind we, of a hearing or something have- like that. We, we must remember that before they got on the plane, he gets hooked up. He gets some message to go meet that scientist. And the scientist oh, has right. all these plans. Right, right, and, right. And they're, they're riding around, and then they stop right in front of the police station, and that's when they're doing that thing on what kind of minerals right. are involved. And Kismet's Lloyd, in the back seat. It just happens to creep up from the back and stab the scientist. <laughs> and Ronnie's like still talking, and then he realizes, wait a minute. Something's wrong here, and then he escapes. But he now realizes that they've got to go to Washington for, I, I think, oh boy, it has to do with that formula. Yeah. And I, I Oh, I think re- it's, uh, the map is in code, right? That's that's it, and they have to yes, try to decode it. Yes, the map is in it. code. But that's also the murder that he's pinned for, right? The murder of the doctor? Because they're yeah. parked right in front of the police station, and <laughs> he's like backing away slowly. Hey. Hey, Mr. Collins, we're here. Mr. Collins. Mr. What? Blood. And it ain't mine, it's red. Oh. Keep keep cool, Ron. Ronnie, keep cool. The murder weapon. Yeah. Pardon me. Huh? Find the owner of this gun and you got the killer. Yeah. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah, my my gun. My gun. Oh. Yeah, it's got my fingerprints on it. I I don't care if she has got a girlfriend. I'm going home and hit the hay. I just don't go for any blind dates. I'd rather be caught dead. I'd rather be caught. Well, okay, call her up. Call her up. Go. Hey, you. Who, me? You don't expect to get away with this, do you? But I tell you, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Of course you didn't do it. This fire hydrant just sneaked up on you, huh? Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Let me see your driver's license. Yeah, but you got me all wrong, officer. This isn't my car. Oh, it isn't, huh? No, I don't drive. I drink a lot. I get nosebleeds in town. And what are you doing here? Well, I was just cleaning. I, I... Trying to roll that drunk, huh? Oh, no, I wouldn't think of it. How far could I roll him? Besides, some of my best friends are drunks. I, I was just... Well, I've got to go now. It's been fun. <laughs> Not too fast. It looks suspicious. So long. It's been fun. Stop saying that. Well, goodbye now. I, I got to run now. I... Hey, fella. Hey. Hey, stop or I shoot! He's like talking to himself. He he does that a lot. He's got like he sort of like talks to himself uh, as as part of his comedy routine. I'm I'm uh, I'm just looking here. Carlotta and a disguised Ronnie then fly to Washington and go to the Pilgrim Hotel. And I, they're looking for the. 
they he's lost the map he's lost the coded message they're trying to get back and i can't quite connect why they had to go to washington why the bad guys went there but anyway that's where they are yeah, it doesn't really uh, matter. It's just like another. It's just another part of the adventure, right? Like, yes, it is. You can't and get course, too wrapped up in the plot here. The, uh, no, it's not. It's not like all the president's men. Yeah. So then, Ronnie uh, is and Carlotta decide that they're going to work as a bellboy and a like a housemaid kind of a thing, so that they can get in and and try to get this map back and and then he's in the hallway and another bell hop comes by and like says, come on, you need to help me. And so then he's actually in the room with all these bad guys and he's trying to not be recognized. And then they're hiding in another room. This hotel room is huge. It's got like multiple rooms and they find some recording machine where they're going to record Kismet saying that he killed the doctor. And, and he says it like over and over again, but then, Ronnie realizes he doesn't have the recording machine plugged in. It's like, oh my god! He gosh. keeps unplugging it. He yeah. plugs it in, then he unplugs it. He's just—he's a bumbler. Uh, sit down, Carlotta. Sit down. Sit down. Whatever happened to your friend? Uh, what was his name, Mister Jackson? That fool. That imbecile. He never knew when to keep his mouth shut. But you were too smart for him. Now I'm alone and too weak to fight any longer. There's really nothing to fight about, honey. Yeah, I'll show you what I mean. Carla, I once made you a mighty generous offer concerning this. The, uh, the map? Yes, the map. Now, I'm repeating that offer. Uh, there seems to be something missing here. The code. You get me the code to the uranium deposits in San Dimas, and I'll let you both go. You mean my uncle and me? Yes. I see. Otherwise? Well, you know what we did to Mr. Collins. What do you mean, we? I did. Always belittling me. When I do a job, I do it. I don't think we ought to waste time arguing between ourselves, Kismet. All right. Well, I... I'll get to think it over for a minute. It's a very big decision. I don't like to be kept waiting, girl. No, we don't. Did you hear me, Carlotta? Well... Did you really kill Mr. Collins? Well, who do you think did it? That baby photographer? That that phony detective, huh? How do you like that? Such a neat job, an artistic job, and she thinks an amateur did it. Yes, yes. Stop taking bows. I'm not taking any bows. I'm still waiting, Carlotta. Did you hear me? Kismet, I can't believe that you killed Mr. Collins. But I did! I killed him! I killed him! I killed him! How often do I have to say it? That does it. That does it. Stick him up. Stick him up. Ah. <laughs> Easy, Cuddles. One move and you're a dead midget. Didn't recognize me, huh? Give me that map. Come here, baby. You're liable to be in the crossfire. Now, get your friends in here. Hurry up or I'll fill you so full of holes you'll look like a fat clarinet. Come on, get them in here. Get- but he actually does end up getting the confession. And, of course, the, the hotel is hosting a detectives conference. Yeah. That's How right. convenient is that? That's where Alan Ladd should have come in. Exactly. That's exactly where I thought he could come back in. Um, I thought that would have been a neat way to bring the whole thing together, but uh, it didn't happen. Uh, but that they recorded it on a record. Yeah, because then and then Ronnie confronts everybody and says, "I've got you on this record here," and, and Kismet very stealthily. I, I didn't even see him do it, but he like switches the record and and 
So Ronnie's going to play this record for all these detectives, and he's like, okay, I've got them. But then it's some song about how it kind of fits in with the, the theme of the movie, but it's not the recording of of the confession. I'll show you. I'll fix these characters. Uh, come here, Plum Creek. Wait till you hear this. I'll send all these guys to the cooler. That's right, Ronnie. You may be having a detective's convention, but I've been doing a little sleuthing myself in the modern way with a recording machine. Need any help? Uh, give me that record. Back away, Gremlin. All right. Gentlemen, the record you're about to hear not only clears me of a murder charge, but also exposes a tremendous international conspiracy. A conspiracy, gentlemen, which seeks to destroy civilization. Listen. He says murder, he says. Every time we kiss, he says murder, he says. At a time like this, he says murder, he says. Is that the language of God? No, this isn't the record. I've been framed. And Kismet throws that record out the window. That was funny. He says this recording will reveal everything for the future, and then it's this bebop song. (laughs) Exactly. It's just it it's slapstick at its at its finest. Well, and, and then he's arrested for the murder of that doctor in San Francisco, and then I think we cut back to the prison, and he's wrapping up his story with the uh, reporters, and then they come to take him to the electric chair, and he and he passes out because he's so scared, and then he wakes up and he's like not in the electric chair, and and Carlotta's there, and. Somebody else is there, too, like helping him. Well, the wheelchair-bound uh, guy is there, the real one. The real, he's yeah, there. the uncle. And the warden. And the, the warden. warden's there. That's right. And he's been given a reprieve. And that's that where we get the he's funny a free line man. with the, uh, the very ending there with Bing Crosby. <coughs> now I lay me down to sleep. I've, I... Oh, they got you, too? You look alive. Where are we? Well, look. Carlotta. Carlotta. You You double-crosser, why didn't you come to my trial? Where have you been? Ronnie, Ronnie, you're free. I'm free? I'm... Yeah, but how? Who did it? You did. With your own little keyhole camera. Look, Sam got this from Mrs. Fong, and he claims the rest was just routine. My keyhole shot of the phony Baron. So you're the McCoy. Young man, I want to thank you for saving my life. Oh, it was nothing. And I did it. I knew I had it in me. Hey, maybe I was supposed to be a detective, huh? Yeah, that's it. Ronnie Jackson, the private eye. No, Ronnie, no. I think you'd better stick to taking baby pictures. Oh, I forgot to tell the executioner. It's all off. Harry! It's all off. Off? Yes. take any kind of a part uh they got the they got the uh, keyhole photo and it revealed that the uncle was a fake he had switched the negative with the baby photo that he took at the beginning and the mom was trying to give it back to him oh that's yeah he didn't want it he didn't want he's like i don't care about your baby photo take it someplace else but really it was the photo it was the negative of you know that clears him at the end and fortunately she I don't know how it ended up getting into the hands of the police, but fortunately it did. She was a good citizen and went to the police and said, you may want to see this. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, There's a few loose ends. I'd have to watch it again. (laughs) I don't know that watching it again is going to tie these loose ends down for you. (laughs) It's like trying to watch the first Ghostbusters to get all the detail. (laughs) It's not going to (laughs) happen. 
I had a couple of other things on Bob Hope because he was he was so successful. He hosted 19 Academy Awards, the most ever. And in 1949, he was the number one box office person. His wow. movies were number one in the box office, which was the year this came out, right? I think this was 47. 19. Oh, so a couple years later, it was number one. And... Uh, he must have done a hundred USO shows during World War II. He was all over the globe with this troupe of merry songs and jokesters. And a movie that he did in 1957, which is probably the most dramatic role he ever did, he played the mayor of New York, Mayor Jimmy Walker, and it was called Bo James. And it must have been a struggle for him because I think he went through the whole movie without any one-liners. Oh man. Or I wonder if he. I wonder rare. if he, he fired off a few during the filming, but they had to edit them out. <laughs> he may have. <laughs> I was reading where he had no confidence in his in his acting abilities. He just didn't think he would ever be a good dramatic actor. Oh, interesting. Or a good actor. It's interesting that he was in so many movies and was the number one box office draw, and still felt that way. He sure had it down to a science in terms of the comedy. There was another movie that he was in called My Favorite Blonde. Yeah, that was an earlier one, I think. And I wondered if there was a connection between the two. It, it, the plot sounds a little bit similar in terms of like he's kind of a bumbling character and is helping a, a woman kind of solve this or foil this plan. Um, maybe, but, maybe it was so successful they decided to do this one. This one made a huge return on the investment. I forget the amount, but... Uh, What's crazy about this one, too, is that it fell out of copyright, and... Yeah, a couple of others have done the same thing. And uh, there was, like, a, tons of bootleg copies and VHS coffee, copies back in the day. And, and it's it's even on Prime, when you go to search to watch this, you'll see that there's, like, a dozen different versions. And I'm pretty sure you could probably watch it on YouTube. Uh, but it's strange to me that a movie of this... Uh, renowned or or success at the time, I guess, would be a better way to say it, would fall out of copyright and then just be available. I don't know, see how that happened. I, I'm looking at a couple of other movies that he did. A list. This is a list of the films in the public domain, and one is My Favorite Blonde, and the other is My Favorite Spy. I don't know how that happens. I imagine that it just somehow, it, it um, whoever has the copyright at the time doesn't realize it, you know, or, or just it doesn't, it doesn't register with them that they need to do something with it. There's no answer for that. I guess somebody just through oversight forgets to renew it. I don't think it's that difficult to renew a copyright. So it's, it's definitely not a, a, a 10 for me, um, but I would give it, I was, I was, th originally I was thinking I'd give it a, a five. Uh, but I, I kind of I'm gonna give it one extra uh, n number, a six for the the fact that they didn't stereotype that character at the beginning, um, and and I actually did enjoy it pretty much. I, I did I did enjoy it quite a lot. It was it was a fun little movie, and you know if you if you like Bob Hope movies, this is a good example of of that. I can I can just in my mind picture my mom and dad going to this in 1947 or 48 when it came to Lewistown, and enjoying it as part of a double feature, with you know more of a serious drama, like Murder My Sweet or something like that. Right, that would be a good double I, feature. I gave it a, I would give it a five. 
Yeah, it's right in the middle of our ranking. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to go next time, though, because I'm I'm wondering if our next movie, which is called A Monster Party, is going to be better than either of us are thinking it might be. <laughs> so we'll see. Mad Monster Party. Uh, you can rent it on Prime for $3 or $4. Okay. Um, and probably YouTube for the same price. Probably. Mad Monster Party, a Rankin-Bass classic. That's from the 60s, isn't it? Like 1966 or 1967, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you found that one. When, you, when I watched the preview, uh, Nancy and I watched that together. It was hilarious. Every monster ever, ever in any movie is in it, seems like. <laughs> so that'll be a fun one. Cool. Well, that was our review of My Favorite Brunette. And coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt. And from Los Angeles, Bob wishing everyone happy movie watching.